1: This month's top agent is Kenny Klaus with Keller Williams Realty in Mesa, Arizona. Last year he closed 573 transactions with a total sales volume of 57 million. His average sales price was 99,000, of which 42% were buyers and 58% were sellers. He operates a team with 13 members, three buyer agents, one operations manager, one sales and marketing manager, one listing manager, two transaction coordinators, one client appreciation director, two HUD coordinators, one HUD field inspector, and one team leader. Kenny Klaus is the team leader of the Kenny Klaus team. He has been an agent for 13 years. He works the Metro Phoenix Arizona market. Before real estate, Kenny worked at FedEx for 13 years. He got his license and worked part-time while driving the truck. Kenny realized that he'd become an expert in the neighborhoods he was delivering packages. He decided he should do the same thing in real estate. So Kenny started geographic farming, and it paid off. In this call, Kenny talks extensively about geographic farming, including how he picked his original farm, what characteristics he looks for in a farm, how to make contact, how frequent, what to say. What to mail? Community Involvement, Sponsorships, Seller Workshops, Zip Code Farms, Business Networking, Video Marketing, His Team, Profitability, How to Create a Predictable Business Model, and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Kenny. Hey, well, thank you so much. Appreciate the opportunity. Kenny, before we talk about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate.
2: Before I got into real estate, I spent 13 years uh, with Federal Express or FedEx um, from when I was 18 on just customer service rep. And then uh, when I turned 21 up to a driver and, uh, and then on from there. And then just as I uh, decided opportunity in real estate, I started to kind of down cycle that into a part-time role, but trying to keep those,
1: uh, those wonderful full benefits. So, So did you start part-time then? In real estate, yes. How many years have you been in real estate? I started in 99, so we're about 13 years in. Did you have a fast start or a slow start?
2: First year, I think I ended up closing, I think it was six transactions. um, Jumped up into the high 20s, second, um, maybe into the 30s, and then into the 60s, and then it just kind of kept growing from there to the point where I had to go, you know, I was still full-time with FedEx, had to go part-time. And work my way out uh, to the point where, finally, you know, got a, got an assistant and uh, started growing from there. So I'd say we were pretty blessed. But it was, uh, you know, that first year averaging, I didn't get licensed till April. I think I ended up closing. I think it was six that first year. So, you know, it was just just over just under one a month. So it. But when I was working full time, it was great, just paying off bills and uh, and growing. So,
1: how many transactions did you close last year? Last year was
2: an exceptional year for us, and and um, and ultimately our you know our largest by quite a bit, and that was uh, 573 sides.
1: That's fantastic.
2: Yeah, it was. Uh, it's one of those where you just kind of have your head down working, and look up when the dust clears, and and actually you know real trends came out with the report, and of course our brokerage, and it was like wow, this was uh, uh, pretty amazing. Um, you know the opportunity that was was. Uh, uh, bestowed on us, and then you know, keeping again our core, core business going, of course, too. Real Trends ranked you where last year? Uh, we were number 14 on Real Trends list in the country for transaction sides as a
1: team. That's phenomenal. Congratulations! Yeah, we felt blessed as a team. It was a pretty neat, uh, pretty neat recognition. So, where are you at? You're in Mesa, Arizona. Where is Mesa, Arizona? So we're just southeast of downtown
2: Phoenix, so probably about a half hour from the airport is to kind of give a central location. Arizona, unlike a lot of cities, has grown out instead of up. So, you know, we're pretty spread out when you look at uh, geographically to, say, from one side of town to the other. You know, it could be 45 minutes to an hour drive, depending on traffic. Um, so we're we're
1: pretty spread out. You know, lots to do, of course, but uh, plenty, of, plenty of business out here in, in the East Valley. And so Mesa is just a big part of the Phoenix Metroplex. Yeah, it's the fourth largest city in the state. So it's it's a large city,
2: you know, which uh, it helps us from a marketing standpoint because our taxes are a little lower than some of the other cities. and But, uh, you know, very popular and, um, you know, still centrally located, uh, you know, in general. It's not like we're uh, in any way on the outskirts or anything, no. Describe your
1: current real estate market, yeah, we were, you know, prior to
2: kind of the collapse, you know, uh, well, I'd say prior to even two years ago, we were probably in the 165 average sales price last year dropped down. At one point, I remember one month, our average sales price was 89000 and it's it's hard to make a living on that, as most people can probably imagine, Um it has crept back up quite a bit. I don't have an exact number for you today, but I would have to say we're probably in the 130s as an average sales price, but it is climbing rapidly. Um, still amazing to me when I talk with our peers on how quickly a market could be in one direction and something as big as a real estate market turn so quickly. Um, I mean, a year ago, our, our inventory was about 34,000 homes, and we've been hovering right around 10 to 12,000 homes right now, which is... Uh, uh, just an unbelievable turn of events as far as, you know, supply and demand and really favoring the sellers now. What do you think caused that? Why did it turn so quickly? You know, we've seen a reduction in the REOs. Um, Arizona still is one of the sunshine states, still is always drawing more people coming in than going out, whether it's retirees or you know our our second home people or the investor market and with prices and the amount of foreclosures there's been a big demand in the investment market for good rentals because so many people that have short their foreclosure you know two to five years out probably from buying again canadians have been a big big part of our market uh, a lot of golf course you know uh, opportunities here major sports franchises proximity to you know Vegas, san diego uh, mexico um, so we 're just kind of in a in a pretty neat location and yes i I get it it 's hot and we 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 do say, but do agree it is a dry heat but um you know that 's three and a half four months of the year, and the rest is is pretty darn uh pretty darn nice so and the other thing too, when you look across the country, what we don 't have here is natural disasters i mean if we get a little rain, you know every news station is you know the weather forecast there 's finally something to say um and, and that's been a big driving factor, especially, I would say, for our retirees that, you know, don't want to worry about hurricanes in Florida or, or the other things going on. We're a
1: pretty stable uh, environment out here. In your market, how would you compare the retail sales versus the REO and short sales? What percentage are you seeing of each?
2: you know again a year ago this conversation would have been completely different it would have been so lopsided on the reo side um and and so minimal on the retail side now it's completely flopped and i would have to say that um the reos are representing you know somewhere between 20 25% and the uh, uh short sales are still you know a big percentage you know probably another 25 to 30% and then you know the rest, the majority I would say are now starting to creep up to equity sales. and when I say equity, uh, meaning a bank is not involved in making the decision, so it could be a flip property, which is is
1: big, big business here um, so it, you know that would be I would consider that in a in a retail sale. do you have a niche or a specialization in your market?
2: We absolutely in my opinion have a niche but at the same time you know diversity is is the key we never had any large reo accounts or anything through you know 07 08 09 and 10 um i did in uh, at the end of 10 uh, get picked up by Hud as a local listing broker and that's what created some of the uh, larger numbers for last year it was you know working for them as a as a local listing agent which is a you know a big honor and a, and a big opportunity but our niche and our foundation has always been you know our our farming um you know 13 years with FedEx I understood running a route and being very good at running your route and everybody knew you and you knew you know, which door to go to and which way to get around that building and that neighborhood, and, and that's kind of how I built our real estate business. I started with, you know, a subdivision, and I call it my realtor route. I would just go run my route, and that would be visiting the businesses, you know, creating um, network events, community garage sales, those type of things, and just really said, well, you know, if there's going to be 600 sales in this community, you know, if I could get 10% of those, I'd be pretty happy and as we were blessed and as, as thing uh, as things grew, we, uh, you know, then expanded the farm from there and then ultimately went from a subdivision to uh, our zip code marketing, which uh, looking back, I wish I would have bought more, but I've got about 105 zip codes I've purchased uh, in the Valley. So we market based on like 85209.com. And the idea is we're not just pushing real estate at someone, we're pushing community, uh, whether it's, you know, you know, events going on, garage sales, businesses opening, um, you know, recipes, free ads, classified type things. And we do that through a newsletter, which we've done for about 11 years now. So I would say, you know, the the farming thing has been the foundation because no matter what happens in my farm, we have a shot at that business with the exception of, you know, the REO. But as far as buyer, regular listings, regular buyer, short sale listings, um, I taught workshops for the last two and a half, three years, short sale workshops in the community, just to educate our neighbors and consumers on what their options were. I did that with a real estate attorney, uh, CPA, and then myself, just to kind of educate, <clears throat> you know, the homeowners as many scams and gimmicks that are going on in the in the world today. When you know, when, when there's blood in the water, the sharks are out, and it's been a distressed market for so long here. Um, that we felt if we we're ever going to be a leader in the real estate industry, now is the time to come out, not when times were good. So, and that was a, it was a neat opportunity, and kind of kind of toned those down a little bit. We're not
1: seeing as much traffic coming to them as there's starting to be some light at the end of the tunnel. Let me ask you a couple questions about what you said. Uh, first of all, you mentioned you got the the HUD the local HUD contract at late 2010 into 2011 that contributed quite a bit to your production last year. What percentage of your production last year was REO, including your HUD? I would say probably
2: probably 55 to maybe 60% of that. So we would have probably done around
1: 250 sides or so. So it added maybe another 300 plus transactions.
2: Yeah, I would say about, if I had to guesstimate, it was probably just over 300 transaction sides
1: it added um, between listings and then, of course, buyers
2: we picked up from you know, having that HUD signs out there. I mean, you know, when you go from six, 75 listings to 230 listings, uh, there's a lot more lead generation that occurs just by having the signs up and in the internet itself.
1: Do you currently have the HUD contract?
2: We do, and it completely changed again, just like most REOs. So um, we are not seeing, we're, we're still, I mean, honestly, fortunate to have the account. We work very hard. I have a dedicated team for the HUD account. Um, but definitely not the volume that we saw um, through you know, most of the end of 2010 and then all through 11 up until about November, and it kind of started to drop off. Then we had one month where um, we literally got no assignments, and, uh, and so it's kind of been a weird ride, but uh, uh, definitely down about probably 50% of where it was.
1: And so what percentage of your business so far now in 2012 would you attribute to HUD Nario?
2: I would have to say it's still strong, Um, uh, you know, of about 35 closings a month. I would say probably 12 are, so probably about, you know, that 35, 40 percent.
1: And then the rest of the business is what we would consider more traditional. You're calling equity sales. Is, Is that correct? Yeah, and that's what I mean.
2: The HUD account is, on the flip side, is also what brought our average sales price down. We typically farm and niche an area, and so with HUD, we're we're much more spread out. So now we're out in some rural areas where you know you're getting a twenty-five, thirty thousand dollar trailer that requires the same, if not more, work than you know a hundred and fifty thousand dollar listing. So our short sales, from a profit standpoint, are still. Um, you know, our retail sales are still you know very profitable uh, compared to what goes into managing the, the HUD account, but the volume makes the difference. So,
1: were you in the REO business, or were you handling REO transactions earlier than 2010, and, and say 2008 and 2009, or did you just start up that side of your business in 2010?
2: No, you know, like like a lot of agents. I mean, we've always been you know the two to 250 closings a year. So we've been busy. And I think I honestly just was busy in the business and didn't look up and realize, you know, getting in with the banks and the REOs. And by the time I did, you know, most of those accounts here in the Valley were landed. And a lot of realtors, you know, we didn't know of, you know, all of a sudden, you know, they've got, you know, a hundred, 200 listings. And I, you know, you tried, you went to some of the events and filled out all the applications and just with little to no response, mainly no response. And, and, um, so just kind of decided we need to focus on our short sale business cause we can control that. Plus we have a future buyer. And so we really put our heads back down and, and started focusing more on that than spending the time traveling, trying to chase an REO account. Um, so very little, I had to, a small one that, you know, maybe one or two a month, if that, but, uh, nothing, nothing worth, uh, you know nothing significant, and then HUD was just you know it was a timing um, you know opportunity that came up, and
1: uh, and and we went all in on it. And it's like I said, it's been a wonderful, wonderful account. I guess what I'm kind of seeing then is that you were able to continue to produce at a high level, several hundred closings a year, really without doing any REO in a dramatically declining market there in 2008, 2009. Is that correct?
2: That's what I'm probably most proud of with our team and the foundation we have built is, you know, it's not on one leg. We've got you know a foundation of you know four solid legs that that give us you know if one is kind of weak, the others are, are performing. Um, and so, no, I, I will tell you that's probably the biggest thing is is to uh, is to know that you know the market's going to shift and go up and down and and the types of uh, transactions can change, but we can adjust to it without having to scrap everything and start over. And uh, I would say just continuing to market through the challenge times and to lead and to, you know, be out there in front of people and teaching classes and still doing transactions and still marketing um, is what, you know, uh, propelled us to the top of people's minds in in our area is, wow, they're still there. <laughs> they didn't come and go like so many people did.
1: Could you list the four solid legs
2: that you're talking about? And when I say it, I think of a stool and just – You know, having, um, you know, versus just REO is one leg there when you've got your, you know, we still do our kind of our Buffini system of, you know, Popeyes and and work by referral. Uh, Of course, the zip code marketing, which is our farm, um, still, you know, heavily work to work with buyers. And then the investor side, you know, in Arizona has been a big, big part of it. So we were doing a lot of flips for a while, trustee stuff, and that has really dried up here. Or I shouldn't say dried up, just everybody doing it type thing, which has driven the margins to almost not worth the risk. So I don't know. that. And I say four, I think of just a foundation of, of multiple um, opportunities there versus just you know we're an reo team uh, i would not say we're i think we're a well-balanced team of you know regular listings, short sale listings, but because of our con- consistency in our farm of not giving up on it um not only print but internet uh has what's given us the stability that um you know that we're we're we're, we're a community uh you know business that's there to stay. I mean, we bought a commercial building, um, or I say, you know, in, in our farm. So, you know, we're, we're relevant people see us, you know, we've got three wrapped vehicles. Um, so it's just kind of, kind of that whole idea of FedEx and you're seeing the FedEx trucks. I wanted people to be able to see our fleet, um, and know that, uh, hey, these guys are doing something, right?
1: I'm real excited to jump into your, your farm. So let's, let's talk about your farm now. How big is it now? How big is your farm? How many homes are in it, or how do you categorize it? Yeah, and so we had to be careful not to ranch, because uh, then you kind of lose the
2: niche. Um, and and we're, we're probably pushing that envelope right now. Currently, um, you know, 11-so years into this, we're at 17,000 that we uh, we farm to. Um, and it's based on two zip codes, 85209 and 85212. And the newsletter then is saturated to all, all the residents and businesses in those two zip codes. Um, and that pretty much covers most of the homes in those two areas. We have a couple we kind of kind of stay out of, but uh, that's pretty much it, including some retirement communities. Uh, and then we've started a, another leg of that, which uh, is where I have the majority of work to do And in, in our model, is uh, opening a new zip code under 85297, and uh, we were sending out 5,000 newsletters to that area. But the main one has been 209 and 212 for the last several years and that has 17,000 properties in it? 17,000. So we do a mail out. Uh, we were doing it monthly for years and years. Um, about two years, a year and a half ago, we went to buy monthly. And a lot of it was just because there was not a whole lot of new stuff to, to talk about business-wise. There wasn't a lot of growth or things happening in the communities. And we have our online presence with you know 85209 and 212. So we were the newsletter was to kind of remind people to go to the website where we could put videos on there and and uh you know keep it real time information
1: events and things like that you mentioned what was in your farm are there apartment buildings in there as well yeah there is a couple apartment buildings uh mostly
2: single family some condo projects uh, several you know elementary schools um one big high school um and so you know it's it's pretty diverse area um, but, uh, you know, a pretty, you know, the average sales price in our farm, you know, has gone back up and it's probably in that, you know, 175, 180 range. So it's starting to climb back up, still a far cry from, you know, a lot of the country, but, uh, it is moving, moving back up in the right direction to where hopefully we'll get back
1: into that 250 range or better. Is your farm area, the average price is a little bit higher than the average price in your city? Yeah, I would say it's a little bit
2: higher, yes, because it's all newer, you know, newer construction, you know, newer, newer, i didn't say newer, like 2000 and newer where some of the older parts of Mesa, yeah, we're going to have an average sales price. There is a few communities that are going to be higher, but we, we're probably in the, you know, probably in the top seven, eight type range. I mean, of if, uh, if you're saying 10 is the highest price, we're probably seven, eight range.
1: When you started the farm initially 11 years ago, how many properties, how many homes were you going out to? Uh seventeen hundred so it went from seventeen hundred to seventeen thousand
2: yeah, you know I've never even thought of it that way it It did over the course of those years. um uh, we had a little trifold one page newsletter we sent out and uh sent out the first one and got a listing and went wow this is this is pretty cool and uh, at the time, you know, it was about 130, and of course, at the time we were trying to get business, so we were going at 5%, which I don't recommend and don't do anymore, I haven't for years. But um, worked our butts off and got it sold, and then went uh, literally six months of newsletters without another, another listing of you know appointment or or conversion or anything. And the good news is when I when I made the commitment, I made a 12-month commitment to to give it all I had, and um, at the end of the sixth month. Uh, that next month we got uh, three new listings, and then just never looked back. It just kept growing from there. So, but there was there was definitely a, a thought of quitting when you're, you know, working at FedEx and you're spending, you know, fifteen to eighteen hundred dollars a month in in farming um, with no return. It uh, dwindles pretty quick. But I just had to make my faith stronger than my fear, and I believed in in what we were doing, and that it it could be duplicated someday, and that the opportunity. Um, to serve people at the highest level we could do that because I knew when I ran my route with FedEx I knew I served it better than anyone because I knew the route I did it all day every day I knew it inside and out and I thought if I get to know all these models and all these homes and and um, you know now I've 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 actually had one I've flipped twice we've sold the same house uh, five times Um, so you know it's been pretty cool when people call and You know, I can tell them the floor plan, the model, and, you know, sometimes what color the carpet is or their tile or granite because I've been in the house or whatever. So it's made it more effective for me,
1: to be honest with you, too, with my time. How did you pick those original 1,700? A community. Why did you choose that community? Why have you chosen either that community or the eventual 17,000 that you have now? Is it because you lived there or was it for some other reason?
2: Looking back, I, I was... Driving out to show homes to a new community, to a client, and as we were in writing the contract, I walked down, and the third model was a model two years before, and my wife had seen and said, man, if we could someday, that would be a dream home, and, and uh, I can remember driving home that day going, do I tell her, do I tell her, and I did, and we were back out there, and next thing you know, we, we bought it, and I said, well, if we're going to live out here, then we're going to we're going to work, play, and uh, and live out here, and so as our home was being built, you know, as you go out to your home, I would go through all the builders and start picking up flyers and you know all the floor plans and getting to know them and pretty soon they started sending me a little business and and then we moved in and we just said you know this is going to be it and i had a golf cart at the time and had it wrapped with everything on it and so i'd drive around in that and it just it was really hard in the beginning because so many people were still buying new they weren't really thinking resale yet but uh, I knew if we built it I said man if we could just fast forward 10 years what would this look like you know as I looked at other people in throughout the the, the valley that had successful business that how do they get in there and sustain and make it happen and it's cuz they 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 were in there for the long haul so we picked it cuz yeah that's where you know we were going to raise and grow our family and uh and go to the schools and the elementary school was in the subdivision the high school and junior high were Category, I mean, right next to the subdivision. So it felt like from a family standpoint, it would be a, a pretty ideal location. Although at the time it was, you know, further out of town, uh, it's, been a, it's been a great
1: decision for us. You didn't go at it analytically. You didn't say, hey, the turnover rate in here is X and there's Y number of homes and that creates Z opportunity and that's why I'm going to pick this particular farm. You just saw that it was a growing area. You wanted to live there and figured other people wanted to live there too.
2: Yeah, that's why I, I uh, have a hard time with having a coach because knowing my numbers and uh, and making sense of what we do doesn't. Uh, I, they can't compute it. I just go do it and work hard and believe in it and with a lot of heart and passion and and care and and uh, we've just been blessed. Good things have happened. I think I have you know some intuition and and seeing vision of of where it could go. But as far as sitting down and running the numbers, that's why I have. Uh, You know, I I partner with people on our team that are good at that part now. (laughs) I just go stir the dust up and then they
1: sort it out for me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we've now have this farm. It's grown over the last 10, 11 years from 1,700 to 17,000. Let's now talk about your marketing into that farm. Let's go through a list of all the things that you do to market the farm. You mentioned you have this newsletter. Uh Uh-huh. You send it out once a month now. It was less, but now you're back up to once a month. What's in this newsletter? It's actually every other month, uh, and it is still bi-monthly, so,
2: you know, cuz we were spending, you know, right around, you know, could be, oh, I don't know, you know, at one point it was 5, we were probably closer to 7,000 a a run and so to cut, you know, that in half saved a tremendous amount for the, for the
1: month. Do you alternate? Do you split your farm in half and go one half one month and the other half the other month or do you just do them all in one month and then wait skip a month and do it again?
2: No, we same same newsletter both areas so we just market it, you know, based on 85, you know, 85209.com and 85212.com your community connection and it goes out together.
1: And it all goes out at once. Yep. How big is the newsletter? Is it a four-page? It is
2: um, – so what we do is we take an eight and a half by 11, fold it in half twice, so it gives it a total of 80 pages. So our front is the cover. You know, we do something fun for the season, whether it's 4th of July, like the 85209 was in the 4th of July colors, and then the back is always the free ads. And then uh, inside the back cover is uh, is some paid ads, a couple businesses. We don't do a lot of ads in there because we don't have a lot of space, but we have we do have a couple businesses that pay to be in there. And then uh the center is just, you know, all of the our listings and then all of the closed sales. And then the first couple pages are just community news, business spotlight, um you know, back to school. You know, just different dates, things like that. And a lot of it, we've went to where we talk a little bit about the story and then see more at 85209.com. So it drives people to go to the site.
1: Then we can print the whole story. I'm trying to visualize it again. I think I missed it. How big is it? Is, is did you say you take an eight and a half by eleven and fold it twice, so it's like about as big as a postcard?
2: No, I'm sorry. Eight and a half by eleven. Yeah, eight and a half by eleven, and just fold it in half. Okay. So that would give you four pages. And then we take another eight and a half by 11, fold it in half, and staple it together.
1: So it's like a booklet. It's like a little booklet, half a sheet of paper big. Yep. And is it all black and white to you? Is it color? Full color. It's full color. So you have someone else print it off, or do you guys print them there?
2: Uh, We've done it both currently because of the volume. It it gets printed, uh, shrink-wrapped in hundreds, and then delivered to us. Then we sort it um, by route and then take it to the post office. Pay for it and then take it to the other post office that actually delivers it. And it just saves us time. We were paying a company to do it, but uh, I, I'm not patient enough to wait for a week for them to, to do the work that we can do in, you know, within three hours or less.
1: Are you bulk mailing it out then?
2: It is bulk mail. We're, we're fortunate enough right now that we're able to, uh, it's still considered a rural route, and so we can do just bulk versus individual addresses. And that's because you're hitting everybody. It's saturating everybody. Yeah, and I know the post office actually has their new direct mail thing, and I haven't really looked into it. But um, from what I understand, it's kind of that same idea, which makes it a lot of sense. We've just always kind of had it that way, so we've been
1: pretty fortunate. Do you know how much it's costing you per piece when you're doing this mail it to everyone on this rural route? You know, I don't right off the top. I would. I'm guessing
2: it, based on postage, not counting any personal hours and handling time or that just hard cost of, of printing and postage, I would say we're
1: somewhere, you know, close to $6,000. Oh, in total. Okay. To get all 17,000 out.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think we're paying about, I think we're paying about 12 cents a piece in postage and then, you know, the printing costs, which, you know, every couple months we've renegotiated and/or we've shopped it to different printers. And it seems like we keep getting a little bit better deal, and the quality keeps going up. So it's been good.
1: Okay, so you're you're spending about thirty five cents or so between postage and printing uh, for each piece to get it out. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's been like I said. It's
2: just it's funny because if it comes out a little later, some people will be calling like, when's the newsletter coming? Or and and what we've done on top of that, so you know, too is. um you know, we have inside we have flyer little little eight and a half by eleven you know stands that say please take one and and we go around to the area businesses and put them in their lobbies too, and so a lot of times we'll do a little story on that business or you know they don't mind because um, and then I have little stickers we have that we put in the business windows that just say like 85209.com, dot com your community connection and the idea was to kind of be the hub for the area so you don't have to remember every single business's you know name hours website you just go to 85209.com click on you know area business and then you can find all the businesses
1: there so it's kind of a co-op concept yeah you've mentioned you've got free advertising on the back and paid advertising in the back inside of the cover what does that mean do you actually have some sponsors that are helping to that are paying you each time that you put that out yeah
2: and we go through different ones, you know a, a lot of them, and I try to explain to them when they advertise. you know you've gotta make a commitment to this if you wanna make it work, not just one time and you know, oh, I didn't get a call, but seems to be the majority of business out there you know it's instant gratification and um and so we charge anywhere from i think I think we're up to about three hundred a spot right now, and there's only six spots, and they're not quite business card size because 'cause they're more square but about that in in you know size. And, uh, they're full color. And so like, we'll have a painter in there and house cleaner and a lender. Um, so it helps offset a little bit of the cost. It just created a, you know, it's one of those where then it creates, you know, billing and, you know, you got to spend time getting the graphic from them. And so it kind of, uh, fortunately I have that person on our staff now, so that's helped a lot or on our team, but, um, but, uh, yeah, so it helps a little bit, you know, to, to bring a little of the revenue in and, and a couple of them that have been in there, have been in there a long time and they won't get out and we'll only allow, you know, one type of business you know, since there's only six spots,
1: maybe there's eight spots, but anyway, whatever the number is now. What is the free ads on the back? Is that people in the community? What is that? Yeah. So the free ads, we've had to get a little control of because then all the businesses were
2: trying to post on the free ads and that is basically about four lines. And so it's just black and white on the back cover. Um, and it just listed like, you know, a crib for sale, um, you know, a little detail, phone number, email. The idea was that to be more of your Craigslist type items, not, uh, you know, carpet cleaner and plumber and all that. It was meant to be, um, you know, more, I've got an item to sell type thing.
1: How are you taking in these ad requests? So they email those in just to add
2: that com, and they just, you know, we give them how, how much space in the newsletter it tells them how much it can be. If they get too wordy, then we just abbreviate or cut it down. And then they can also then go online to the zip code and uh, you know register with the site and then post their ads free with pictures and you know things like that. And people that haven't been using that as much lately, to be honest, I was just looking at it the other day and I was surprised at how few were on there. At one point it was pretty full and pretty robust, but um, it, it seems like not quite as busy right now. But the free ads fill up every month within a week of – you know, when the new newsletter goes out, it's like all the free ads come in for the next
1: run. So, We've talked quite a bit about the newsletter. Let's talk about what else you're doing on the farming. You keep mentioning the zip code, and you wish you had bought more. And so forth. tell tell us about what you mean by zip code marketing. Basically, and I'm not sure where whereabouts you are, but obviously you have a five-digit zip code. Um,
2: and so we just bought the zipcodes.com. And the idea is kind of like eBay or, you know, any of those easy sites out there. You just remember it. You don't have to think about, was it, you know, was it Augusta Ranch, you know, update? Was it Augusta Ranch Realty? Was it Augusta Ranch Homes? It's just, oh, it's 85209.com. So the idea was, you know, it's not, uh, you know, Kenny Klaus Team Realty, for example, where people go, oh, it's a realtor. We don't want to deal with that. You know, he's up to something. It's more, hey, it's about our community and so in about i want to say '03 or so you know i started buying some zip codes and of course now there's corporations out there that have bought all of them in the united states um zip codes that don't even exist yet they've just bought every numeric number all the way through every five digit number um and there are some out there that do it dot net and and i've been approached a couple times but you know we're still we're still trying to decide if we can put the right team together to uh to take that model and, and make it duplicatable for, for other realtors. So you could actually create your own little farm concept, you know, based on the model that, that we've proven that, that can work. Um, but you know, the farm is one piece to the whole and kind of what you're getting at or what you're saying is, you know, it's, it's about interacting within the community and not hiding behind a desk or, you know, email or Facebook. Um, you know, it's been out, like I do a neighborhood network the third Tuesday of every month. Um, and um ironically i just in november bought a restaurant sports bar here in the community um and we actually called it the hub <laughs> grill and bar so um, but uh so it, one of the reasons is it had a big conference room in the back and so i teach uh um you know, I hold our network meeting there. I also teach a HUD class every month, a training class for agents. Uh, actually, Keller Williams is there today for an eight-hour training class on seller mastery. So it's been a really neat way to connect, um, you know, people within the community as far as sports teams, you know, past clients. You give a, you know, free free lunch or dinner out type thing to go try it. Um, but anyway, so the network meeting I've been doing for about four or four and a half years, And we'll get anywhere from 20 to 30, you know, business owners within the community. And it's just a way to kind of get out in front of people and and lead the group. And, you know, we talk about, you know, who's your ideal client? What marketing ideas are you doing? You know, what's your client that we could help you find? Uh, We've created a Facebook page and a website for um, zipnetworking.com, we call it. And that's where everybody can kind of post their business so we know how to find each other at the end of the month. And uh, that's been a really neat way to get out and meet a lot of people in the community to come out and just share their business and what they're doing. Uh, we do we host a community garage sale. We call it Garage Sale Month. Um, and it's actually turned into a month and a week in some cases where we have five different areas where sometimes we have to double up communities. But, you know, that Saturday. Um, is, say, Augusta Ranch and Sierra Ranch's community open house. And the next Saturday is, you know, say, the Village of the Easter Ridge and Crisman Creek's community garage sale, then Santa Rita Ranch and then Mesquite Canyon. And that way, you know, you can have your sale, you know, one month or one week, one Saturday to get rid of all your junk, and then turn around you got four weeks after that to go buy a bunch of stuff. So, <laughs> um, But, you know, just really involved in, in the teams. I do about 30,000 bottles of water a year to the high school and the elementary schools. We donate for all their carnivals and all their sports games. Uh, we're big with the, with the football and basketball programs at the high school with banners and, um, you know, big sponsorships of, of those things. Um, you know, any kind of events that we can, we can get involved in, um, we, we certainly do. Um, and then I've got my moving truck I've had since '04 So, you know the band at the high school used that sometimes to go to uh, different games um, and uh, you know you people see that around, and that's been a, a nice tool. So it's just kind of you know there's no home run in this in in this industry. it's just a bunch of little singles to kind of advance the advance the the client you know to home ultimately from a
1: baseball analogy and uh, so we just try to hit it from every little angle the bottles of water that you're giving out to the schools, do they have your name on them somehow? Do you have a logo on there? Yeah. That's smart.
2: We've done it ourselves. And then we've also done it with our lender to kind of help split the costs and just to go Jags because the Jaguars and, um, and then, you know, the County Klaus team, and then say the mortgage person and, and hand those out. And then like the elementary school, we give it to them for their carnivals. And so it's been a pretty, pretty good, uh, pretty good deal. I, this last year, the high school just partner with coke on their product and so they had to sell their water um so we still did the elementary schools in that but not the high school this last year so
1: coke is moving in on
2: your turf yeah that's all right they uh we 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 got our run and now you know we've got uh you know all the different banners we do i did a bunch of call them jag rags kind of uh uh, well, I'm a big Steelers fan, so like the terrible towel concept. So we did those with the Jaguars and, you know, uh, courtesy of the Kenny Klaus team. And so there's other ways to get get out there and in people's hands. And to be honest, the, the Jagrag idea, you know, people take that home, kids pin those up on their walls, and that's a, that's a lasting thing where the water bottle gets thrown away.
1: So, Are you mailing anything else into these neighborhoods? Are you sending any other type of mail or any other type of spiffs are you sending out refrigerator magnets or anything like that
2: yeah so every january um we order about twenty-three thousand of the magnets um they go into every newsletter in both zip codes and then of course to our uh our database specifically so a lot of people get them twice because they're in our farm and in our database Uh, but we send it out they can take it to work or put on the garage fridge or whatever but uh so, we definitely do the magnets I have since uh two thousand I think I have them all in my fridge at home. I think it was since two thousand two or three we've done those um consistently same look um same basic concept and it's fun to go out in the neighborhood and go show houses and then see some people have our whole collection on their fridge too, or they'll have two or three years worth or um but definitely do those. And then outside of that, you know, we've just gotten back into consistently like the just sold postcards because I think those in this market are gold. Um, And then uh, I also do a short sale postcard that's an oversized postcard. Um, with our short 411 calculator, and kind of, uh, you know, there's no cost to you to do a short sale. And so what I do is I just pull the trustee list in our neighborhoods, in our zip codes every morning, and then just handwrite. uh, We just have a little address thing. I handwrite the address and mail those out. And, you know, a small return on those, some people may have called anyway. Other people do call and say, hey, I got your thing. You know, we know you from the community. But we just figured, you know, we need to lean into those those people who kind of have their hand up once they get the trustee notice and say, Hey, we, we got to do something. So other than that, I mean, no other real specific mail outs because of what we do, you know, there, but we do sponsor in other, you know, like the high school program when it comes out, we have a big sponsorship in there plus the banners on the field. So again, instead of just shotgun marketing, we really try to target market in our farm and then spend more money in there versus just kind of all over the place.
1: So how often do you think that you're sending something out by mail to your farm? You've mentioned you've got six times a year for the newsletter. You've got these magnets that are going out the first of the year. Got some just sold postcards. How often do you think you're sending something out to your farm each year? Well, I would say consistently to the whole farm six times.
2: All the other is just going to be, you know, Uh, pieces of it. Meaning say we sold a home in an area, we may send 250 to the surrounding homes. Hey, just sold or, you know, that type thing. But we wouldn't send out another 17,000 of those at that point. No.
1: The magnet that you send out, you say it looks the same each time or it has a similar look. How big is the magnet and what is on it? It's just uh, like a three and a half by four and a half
2: um, so it's enough that it'll fit my handwritten notes. Cause what I do is I order extra. So I'm a big, I like Buffini concept and we do a lot of handwritten notes. And so uh, I did do an oversized magnet once. And then after I got them realized it didn't fit in the handwritten notes. And so I uh, went back to just the, the smaller size and, um, and then, you know, just has a kind of a blue background, with the calendar, Kenny Klaus team, you know, your area real estate experts
1: and our phone number. So it's a calendar, your picture and logo, and the phone number. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just logo. I don't usually do our picture, but just logo. Uh, we really branded our
2: logo, which we just recently, about two months ago, changed a little bit of the look uh, of the logo, but same kind of concept. And uh, but pretty much everything is just branded. We really tried to uh, brand it that way. You know, like I've moved companies once here, and and um, it. it had little to no impact versus, you know, people know our name ahead of, you know, who or, you know, top of mind before they knew which, you know, which
1: platform we were on. Yeah. The phone number, do you have the website on that magnet?
2: Yeah. So phone number, website, um, and then the year, the
1: calendar, and that's about it. Cause you can only get so much on there without it looking too cluttery. So is there any call to action? Do you offer a free market analysis or free list of homes, anything like that? Not on the magnet, no. Just basic. And then you send out these just-sold postcards. Are you sending out the just-sold postcards to everyone in the farm, or are you sending out just to the, a couple of homes around, maybe a couple hundred homes around the sold? How are you doing that?
2: Right. That's what I was mentioning. And When we do this just-sold, it's only about 250 or so you know, within a radius of, of the property sold. And that goes for both buyers and sellers.
1: And on that postcard, do you have any unique call to actions that have been effective for you? I'm trying to think of the little tag. It's it's the one that's
2: pretty common out there, um, like we did it again type thing. or We just sold this home. Can we sell yours? Yeah, I'm trying to think what ours says, but it's like, uh, you know, sold, we did it again um, type thing. Just short and sweet, you know, nothing too wordy. Are you getting calls on those? Yeah and again that's something we kind of had fallen off of and we've just started doing again because it is it is gold and to be honest with you there was a run there from about 0809 where getting a listing call was not, was not a positive thing <laughs> I mean just stuff wasn't selling it was like you know watching your sign change colors is fading out there um but uh no we we always took them I'm just teasing but yeah it wasn't uh, quite as exciting to tell people you know you're you're 100 grand or 150 upside down after they've Sunk their life savings into buying the home or whatever, but uh, um, but yeah, no, that's uh, you know we try to stay consistent, and if we make a decision, not that we don't try things, but we never never waver from the foundation of it, which is mainly the the newsletter marketing and, and that.
1: So, on this zip code farming, have you set up specific websites just for the community?
2: Uh,
1: yeah, so the zip code itself is the community
2: website. So when you go to it, it's got you know, all the school information, all the local businesses. Um, you know, it does have some ads on there because we uh, saw an opportunity to sell some ad space to generate some some additional income. I also created uh, what we call Zip it's, which is kind of the Twitter concept where people can go in and just post a, a quick, you know, hey, don't forget, you know, home game Friday night or, you know, happy anniversary or, hey, we're having a sale this weekend. Uh, it was just kind of a, a way what we want to do to be honest, you know, after seeing the success, obviously, with Twitter and Facebook, when you really think about Facebook, they put a platform out there, and they don't really do anything. It's people that engage it and add the content. So our goal is to try to get the community to add the content, since we really don't have a an editorial staff or, you know, people run around out there trying to add content. We all live in the area, so that helps add the content. But, you know, you know truthfully, I mean, to get the consumers to add relevant content to, you know, hey Desert Ridge, you know, is in the playoffs this weekend, come out and support. That's what we were looking for. And then the other thing I did and I've fallen off a little bit of consistency with this just based on, on getting busy was um uh, we created a video portal so that the idea is we can go out to a business and shoot their business, you know, a one- to three-minute video for free, just, you know, hey, welcome to this business. Hey, today we're at uh, this business and want to meet, you know, this person, and then they tell us a little bit about the business and then post that on the website. And that was really good. It's just, uh, um, I, to be honest, that's one where, a lot of motivation to do it and then just kind of kind of got busy and then trying to schedule with people. And that um, just hasn't been as, as aggressive as I would have liked it to have been. But we still are doing it. It's just not as, uh, you know, I need to get more of a scheduled uh, activity on that.
1: Your farm is in two major zip codes. Do you have two major zip code websites or are they combined into one? No, and the reason that it's combined into one is because when we originally started, started. And I can remember the day it
2: happened because I was out showing houses and my brother who works on our team called me and said, they just split our zip code. And I'll never forget how frantic I was trying to get a hold of my GoDaddy rep to make sure I had the other zip or that I could get it. But um, yeah, it was 85212 for years and years. And then um, they just came out and said, hey, we're splitting the zip code. And once they made the decision, it was already done. Um, And so instead of us, because the zip was already one and we were used to that, Instead of creating two pieces, because we all serve the same stores, schools, I mean, nothing really changed as far as the way the community acted. We just decided to, uh, on the top of the newsletter, it says 85209.com and 85212.
1: The rest of the ZIPs currently, like 85297, is a standalone. That's the third ZIP that you're considering adding, this 5,000?
2: Yeah, we are currently doing, and we just switched it about three months ago, well, the beginning of the year, I should say, to uh, every other month on that one. And now, that is just an 8.5 by 11 folded in a half, so it's just four pages. Um, um, that one, I have no one running that currently, and it's just kind of there, so it's not uh, uh, being aggressively marketed but you know i'll see one to three listing appointments a month out of there um but i that is something we're we're kind of looking to interview to get uh you know someone running that part of the zip, that part for us
1: yeah let's talk about this continuing on this farming idea uh you got the 17,000 this main farm 17,000 homes what kind of production is coming out of the farm at this point how many listings, how many closings how many calls do you get what what exactly is coming out of it
2: we'll average um, i'll average about fifteen listings a month out of the farm um, and I would say you know probably probably doing low twenty appointments. And then some are either short sales that roll into the next month or that decide not to short sale. Or, again, you know, we don't get every single one, but our conversion rate is probably in the, you know, 90 percentile, meaning I would say 9 out of 10. Um, if we meet with them, we'll, we'll sign the listing agreement.
1: And so you're taking about 15 or so listings a month on average, about 180 a year. How many of those close? You know now I would say you know even with the short sales because
2: all that has gotten better, um, you know I'd have to say you know again probably in the in the range of you know eighty five percent or so some um, I mean typically they're all closing unless it's a short sale I mean it's not like we go with an unsold or a canceled listing and I don't see that it's more you know if we couldn't get a short sale done for whatever reason,
1: so say one hundred fifty to one hundred seventy yeah. Kind of interesting that 17 number keeps coming up. So it looks like you're getting about one in a hundred sales. Is that right?
2: Yeah, it's, uh, I just can't tell you. And when I first started doing this, um, you know, I would be interviewing with two or three realtors and, um, you know, you'd get a certain percentage. And then now um, the percentage is, you know, probably. I don't know, 75%, if I had to say a number, are just calling to say, come list the house. Um, really not even a formal interview process. Uh, or some people just stop in my office and say, hey, we need to sell the house. You know, when can you guys come out? Uh, it's really changed um, over the last, you know, several years to where the reputation now is, if you need it, get it done, you know, this is the guys you call. And uh, it's, we've been blessed with that. But uh, definitely not, you know, seven, eight o'clock at night listing appointments at all anymore. And, you know, oh, you're the third realtor we're talking to. I I don't I don't see any of that anymore. Or very rarely.
1: Now a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search RealGTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. That's pretty good. Do you know what percent market share you have in there? Do you know how many homes are being sold in there each year? In your farm, your 17,000 home farm?
2: You know, I don't know the number. I I know at one point there was in Augusta Ranch, which is kind of where we started, there was like 680 homes or so sold in a year. Um, so if you magnify that out times the other communities, you know, again, I'd, I'd be guessing I don't, I don't, I don't know that
1: data. I think it's interesting. You're, you've actually got a pretty strong success track record in there. If you've got a hundred hot properties and you're mailing out to a hundred properties in a year, you're getting one closing. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, we're very, uh, very happy and,
2: and feel very blessed,
1: so. I don't know what your market share is but average turnover I'm guessing you're somewhere between 10 and 20% market share which is also pretty strong so especially with such a big farm.
2: Yeah, I've seen this run, you know, that that and that sounds pretty accurate. I, usually it seems like it's somewhere in that, you know, 10 to 15% range um which based on the size, yeah, I mean that's a, it it produces uh I guess the biggest thing for me especially with what we've built and with the office and then staff and and you know everything that's cost to keep the operation running is, uh, it it feels good to the consistency we've built. It's kind of a more predictable business now than it's ever been. Um, Because if I stop and think about what goes out every month, it gets overwhelming pretty quick. And so, um, but to know that, you know, we've built it and then year over year that it's just grown, um, you know, as as our consistency has has stayed, uh, gives me a lot of good feeling that someday, you know, we have a business that will carry forward and, and ultimately um, either be taken over through through the family and or, you know, be a sellable business, not just, uh, you know, had a great career and shut her down. I, I feel like it'll, it'll hopefully be an entity, you know, for years and years and years to come.
1: Do you have a goal for how big you
2: want the farm to get? I don't. We're about there right now based on uh, my time commitments and my commitment to, you know, our family and, and friends and, and that. I, I don't know. Other than growing through others, which I'm very excited about, um, bringing in other partners to run some of these other zip code concepts and carry it forward, um, I, I'd say I'm about where we want to be, to be honest with you. I mean, uh, the volume we're doing is the sales prices go back up. If we can maintain, um, you know, taking the HUD out of the equation, just traditional or, or normal sales without HUD, you know, if we can be in that 2 to 250 range, I'd be uh, very, very happy to you know, I don't need to be the, the biggest dog on the block, just, uh, you know, happy and well-balanced. And, and that's really the goal and learn a lot of that through, you know, the Keller model and Buffini and, and building systems um, that uh, that can grow with your business uh, without you, you know, taking on a tremendous amount of more workload.
1: You mentioned you have over 100 zip code dot coms. Uh-huh. Are those zip codes all in your area? Are they all there in Arizona or did you buy them outside of your area in other states?
2: No, they're all in all in Arizona with the exception of one in New Jersey.
1: So you mentioned taking on partners. Is that a way you're looking at expanding your business? Yeah. I mean, our, you know, our goal and, and you know, part of the Keller model is,
2: you know, the more we share, the more we grow. And and to, to look, uh, it's on the table right now. We've put it on hold for right now just working on some other things within the business that we feel we need to we need to solidify first as far as how fluid they are and and uh duplicatable but it's definitely uh we have in the works to create um you know, kind of farms within, within our team is, is, if you said, what's the vision? I, I see that because I can create a tremendous amount of success for people versus just hiring and say, hey, you want to be a, you know, typically what they call a buyer's agent, um, you know, to be an agent in our team and, and have your own farm in which you can do everything, listings, buyers, sellers, network meetings, you know, that's ultimately uh, a model that, uh, that, you know, I see being able to grow, um, but it takes a lot of time and planning to do it right. And so we're, we're uh, it's definitely on the radar, just not something, you know, in the next couple months, I don't know that we'll, uh,
1: we'll, we'll expand to. So your big vision there is to expand your team by taking your farming concept and duplicating it in little fiefdoms where you have your agents running these little farms and you've got the umbrella that's overseeing everything. And I, and I think that's,
2: I mean, said, well, I mean, the the idea is, you know, most of us fail because we're entrepreneurs and we're high D's and we go out or I's and D's and go out and stir up all this stuff and go, what do we do now? Now I got all this work. Um, and 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 so from an agent standpoint to be able to come in and know that you know the website's being managed the newsletters going out every month that the signs go up the listing photos are taken the websites are managed transaction management's being done the internet marketing the social media all of that is done um, by the foundation, by the team, and all they've got to go out and do is do the listing appointments, you know, sit some open houses, network with the businesses, hold the network meetings, um, you know, get involved in the schools and, and really become a, you know, kind of the, the idea of the mayor campaign within that community. Yeah, that's, I mean, I would I would love to see that opportunity because I think it it's, I think a lot of realtors have big hearts and want to do the right thing, but this industry has become, uh, even since I started in 99, even more and more complex with the amount of places you need to be and, you know, photo editing and, and virtual tours and putting signs up and getting it MLS and then, you know, answering, you know, leads and then, you know, by the way, go home at night and be with your family and, you know, take a vacation. So it's just, uh, it's become a, a monster. And I think, uh, you know, the way to be success, sustain success over time, You know is is to build you know through each other and and some people want to run you know the business and some people understand you know look i'd you know like to make you know a quarter of a million a year and if i can do that under this umbrella then then let's get to work and you know i think i think you know 100 to 250 a year with our model is is, uh is is attainable to be
1: honest if somebody were going to try to go out today and start up a new farm an agent was listening to this thought yeah i'm going to go start some geographic farming what advice could you give them if you were to you know look at someone who's starting right now? If you were going to go start fresh today, what advice could you give them to something they should focus on or work through to to make it work? Well, I would just
2: you know look at the area where you're going to farm and make sure that. Um you know, financially, it, it makes sense for you. And then financially, it's going to be rewarding. And I would say the closer you live to the area, it it makes a big difference. I know when we're selling, it's like, you know, hey, we're not driving back to Scottsdale tonight. You know, we live right here in the community and we've got a vested interest to to drive values in this area. And not everybody can say that. Um, but, you know, as far as, you know, having a, having a a 12 month plan, um, you know, so that you can weather the good and bad times. And when you do make a little money, it's not go buy the new car, the latest gadgets, it's okay, reinvest for the next newsletter and let's keep, keep going. and, And then, you know, all of a sudden there becomes a surplus over time if it's done right. But genuinely, you know, with the idea of not making money, but to serve as many people as you can and do as good a job and do what you say and show up on time and, and those things, um, you know, go into it with that mindset, but with a, with a plan of 12 months. And then my thoughts would be, or at least how we did was, you know, start small, don't aim for the fences, just, you know, hit a single, pick a nice little, whether it's a condo community or, you know, a housing track of, you know, you know, 1,200 to 2,000 homes and, and just be relentless in that community and own it. Because by owning that, that's what helped us is once we kind of owned the Augusta Ranch area, we started getting calls from the other communities as as it kind of flowed over. And it was like, well, maybe we should expand into there. Well, we can't do that because we're called AugustaRanchUpdate.com. And so you know, we looked at the zip code concept. Well, man, these are all in the same zip. We could take this, and now there is no fences saying, "Well, you only serve that community." So, just being careful with the name you pick, and uh, but a budget and a, and a vision of of giving it a, a real run for 12 months, and, and her, you know, weathering the ups and downs, I would say, is is critical. And then, you know, obviously, the quality of the product you're
1: bringing to the table. Kenny, I'd like to switch gears or just slightly and talk about your short sale program. You have a website called short411.com. And you also mentioned that you're sending out these short sale oversized postcards. You mentioned, I think you said a short sale calculator. I'd like to find out what you're doing with short sales. So the short sale
2: market, you know, has just become a, a big opportunity to, you know, stand up in front of people and say, look, I'm here in not only the good times, but we're here in the challenging times. And so, you know, as we got educated and Henna did, did get the CP or CDPE and the SFR and I, I, you know, tried to continue to get educated on the process because it is a different animal and we've tried attorney negotiated and doing it ourselves and you know, all the different methodologies and, and so what I decided to do, because we had such a presence in our farm, there's a golf course in the in this community, and so uh, I know them real well, so they allowed me to use the clubhouse in the evenings. So we just started holding uh, holding workshops, and I really didn't know if anybody would come out, to be honest with you. And my limiting belief would have said, well, why would people come out? They're already not calling the banks and they're not doing this. Um, but I think with the familiarity of our name, our reputation, um, you know, the first one we had about eight people come out to it, and... And I think we listed six of those, you know, people. And so when you're looking at a conversion rate, you're going, okay, that was pretty good. And and I honestly can't remember if we did the other two or not over a period of time. But within 30 days, you know, we were typically listing these properties. And so, you know, we grew that and then we started doing it in 85297 also. And we were sometimes getting, you know, 20, 25 people there. It seemed like the conversion rate stayed about the same. Just more people didn't necessarily mean higher conversions every time. Um, but people were just coming out to get information, and and uh, was, some people were already listed, and they just didn't feel confident in who they were listed with, and so it was just getting in front of people, and I mean at the end having people clap and, and thank you and genuinely like and we had tears in some of the sessions, and just people going thank you because I feel like now we know where to get the truth, and our attorney was phenomenal, and just kind of not being too attorneyish and over overdoing it, just very, you know, just really explain things well. And it gave us a sense of pride and and uh, doing the right thing for our homeowners, although a lot of them did end up in short sale and it was, you know, a tough place to be. But just kind of the education piece to me, an educated consumer can make their own decision and a better decision. And we felt by educating them, you um, know, it helped people understand. Because, again, I'm a homeowner too. And to think about not making a payment or a short sale um, would be overwhelming and most of the people when I talked to them, you know, too, I'd try to get on the same side of the table so they didn't feel like we were talking down to them because most of these people had never missed a payment in their life. They just had a job setback or, you know, were trying to make a business decision and and not making a payment or those things were just devastating to them and some cases, you know, had drained a 401k and things and and uh so you know that became a a big big part of it. Was just the educational piece, and you know, donating an hour and a half of our time, you know, once a month. Although I did do a couple Saturdays, and we did do one webinar, which we only did one, and it didn't. We didn't really get much traffic, so we didn't continue. We thought maybe people would be more comfortable doing it from home, but um, that didn't. That did, And again, not that it can't work. I just didn't put a lot of effort into that one.
1: You had this community meeting. How did you promote the community meeting? Did you have an advertisement in your newsletter? How'd you get the word out?
2: Yeah, the newsletter again, because they're already picking it up and reading it, and then people would tell people. Uh, we did do an ad in a, in a small local newspaper too, and you know, out of eight people, like two came from the newspaper, so we felt well, that was a pretty good draw, and you know, both you know, with list and in new areas, which gave us an opportunity to kind of kind of expand into those areas with our signs, and so so that was good, um, but mainly the newsletter, and then you know, our online presence, and then, um, uh, you know, Facebook, of course, and then through the newspaper, the small newspaper, we take out a quarter page ad and, you know, just run, a, you know, free short sale workshop or free short, yeah, short sale workshop. But We never called it a seminar because I didn't want people to think I was selling them a CD at the end. It was just kind of a, a workshop of, you know, come out and understand, know your options was how we titled it. Are you still running those? You know, we haven't uh, over the last several months. Our, our, attendees started to fall off to where I had one that actually nobody showed up. Um, and although, you know, that it can be frustrating, it started to dwindle from, you know, having the, you know, 12 to 18 to, you know, six to eight to, you know, two to three to one. And then, you know, I think with the lowest we had was two and then we had none. And then we did another one and we had like two and I kind of felt, you know, maybe we've, uh, worn it out. We'll take a little break and, Short sales are definitely on the decline here because home values are going back up, and there's some light at the end of the tunnel. And and I think Harp 2.0 has been uh, uh, has helped some people out too. So,
1: when you were running those meetings, who was there? You mentioned you had an attorney. Who who was doing the speaking? You or the attorney or both? Three of us took a section, so we had a PowerPoint, and I I
2: led the the opening in the real estate part, and then. Um, uh, Dax Watson was our real estate attorney. So he would come in and do, you know, about 15 minutes on Arizona's, you know, anti-deficiency laws on, you know, what is foreclosure, trustee sale, the process. And then, uh, Mark Weech, our CPA would, would kind of speak on, you know, the debt relief act. And cause most people didn't understand, you know, Hey, you know, you owe 200, it sold for a hundred, you know, there's a hundred thousand dollar debt settlement there, debt relief. You know, that's that could be a taxable event. And so having him there and then he would, what was nice for our team is he would offer a, a consultation for free afterwards. And so it gave people a chance to schedule to really go over their situation uh,
1: specifically. So, It looked like you took that information and you put it online. I, I took a quick look at your short411.com website. How long has that been up? And that's actually to be honest, just a third-party uh, kind of
2: plug-and-play system. So, um, shorterstay.com is is the website, and you buy it from them. And then you know we set it up and added the videos and added our content. Um, but we've probably had that I'm going to say about six months now, and that'll generate. Especially in a month that the newsletter goes out, so every other month it'll typically generate you know six to eight, um, maybe ten people doing a short 411, and they'll go in and put in you know their ad. And the nice thing with that is it's pretty foolproof because the only way to get the results they want is to add their actual address, their email address. So it's good information they put in, and then I'll follow up with them after and say, hey, congratulations, you know, you're. Uh, you're in good shape or, hey, it's six years, you know, 10 months, Um, you know, would you like to schedule a free, you know,
1: no-hassle consultation to discuss your options? For the people listening who haven't seen that, when you go to the website right at the top, it has a box and it has a short little video clip and it says basically your options, should you short or stay? And in order for them to find out, they have to plug in their address and their email address. I don't know what happens after that, though, because I, I'm not in your area. I couldn't test it out. What happens after they put in their address? Well, and you you absolutely could test it out.
2: It works throughout nationwide. Um, so the idea is when you put it in, it, it does a, a estimate. So it does a Zillow estimate, and it'll send you an email um, and say, you know, here's your, here's your report. And it'll show you. Um kind of the crystal ball, how long will it take before I get back to zero? and it factors you know average aggressive and you know and and moderate appreciation so that you can kind of see, you know, hey, based on, you know, four percent or five percent appreciation, here's what it's going to look like before I break even. And now it doesn't factor in commissions or closing costs. So I always have to tell people that. So if it says, you know, two years, you know, 10 months, you've still got, you know, approximately another eight percent on top of that to get back to zero by the time you factor commissions and, you know, throwing two percent at closing costs just as an average on a seller. Um, So that's, you know, it doesn't factor that in either, so we always have to kind of explain that to them. But and it's a estimate, so it's not 100% accurate either. As we know, with Zillow, it it uh, they usually trail the market one way or the other. And currently, they're below, so normally it kind of gives them a worst-case scenario. And actually, a lot of times when I talk to them, you know, the comps are actually better than what what it says. So if they're on the border, you know, say it's a you know they're a year out. A lot of times, um, you know, based on what the market has done over the last you know four months. Uh, they actually may be in a much better place than what that report says,
1: but it discloses all that to them too you're getting you said basically six to ten leads off of that each month. How many of those are turning in the listings? I would say maybe thirty percent of those meaning
2: within thirty days now I have not tracked some of them have come back you know three months later after they get their trustee notice um, but the outreach and and I put them into a you know into our our uh, our lead campaign and we send them an eight by eight campaign. And, and, uh, so I would say not tracking it a hundred percent to be able to tell you of everyone that's ever been done, how many have we listed that I don't know, but I will say that some of them are
1: immediate and some of them are, you know, three, six months down the road. On the bottom of that page, there are maybe four or five little mini videos With you speaking, and you speak for a a minute or two on each one, trying to answer some of the major questions that someone who's considering a short sale would be asking themselves, I thought it was really well done. And my question for you is, did you come up with that script or did this company that you got the website from, did they give you the script to read those? No,
2: we did those all in house. Um, Scott on my team is our, our marketing and buyer success manager, and so he's real good at that. It almost makes it look like it's like a Fox News telecast the way he does the videos. He does a nice job. He, uh, I just have a wireless mic, and we have a little teleprompter, and and uh, so we just go through it. I also do that for my HUD classes. So on our HUD website, we can you know kind of outreach to agents because I realize there's some agents that read stuff, and then more like me who just you know, want to hear you tell me about it. So, um, but yeah, the videos have been pretty good views, viewers on them. I mean, I've been pretty impressed with how many of you have watched them because I know there's a lot of, uh, questions out there. Not everybody wants to come to the table and ask them where this gives them the ability to kind of like, who's going to rent to me. I was amazed at how many people that was a question because they've never, you know, had anything on their credit. Now all of a sudden they do. And they think, well, who's going to rent to me? And I said, well, actually you're the ideal one, you know, for a landlord, you're ideal. Cause you are ideal because you're not going anywhere for a while. Yeah, I mean, you're going to be there for two to five years, and you've been a homeowner, so you're typically a better uh, better candidate.
1: You also mentioned that you were mailing out these short-sell, oversized postcards into your farms. Did you say you were only mailing that out to people who had got a, a, a trustee's notice, a notice that they were in default?
2: Correct. Yep. Yeah, so I just pull the list in each community, um, you know, sometimes every morning or at least once a week, like Saturday I came in because I'd gotten behind and got about, you know, 25 of them out. And so, you know, I go through and just make sure the home's not listed and then uh, just send them that postcard. And it's usually within, you know, a couple of days or a week of, of them receiving the trustee notice. And so we know they're getting stuff from, you know, probably a hundred different realtors. But the idea is, you know, that hopefully their name recognition. That's why I really just do it in the areas that we farm. So they see, oh, these guys do handle short sales.
1: Has that been successful for you? Yeah, yeah, I would say
2: yes. And, you know, we just bought 1,000 postcards, and so you got the cost of postage on that, and I've still probably got, you know, 600 left or so because it's something we just started about two months ago. What percentage of your business has been short sale? You know, I would probably say... Over the last, you know, couple years, uh, at least on the listing side, um, you know, probably probably 75%, 70-75% of, of our listings have been short. Um, and then, you know, the rest, of course, buy sides, whether we're representing the buyer, you know, that could be on any type of property. But the
1: majority of the listing side, I would say, would be short sale. And the things we've talked about so far, you, you've done more recently. So, what was generating all that short sale business over the last couple of years? Was it just your normal business that would come out of the farm instead of them being an equity sale? They were upside down and they ended up being a short sale. Is that where the, the huge volume of short sales was coming from?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And that's how it all started. You go to an appointment and then I'd get there and realize they were 20,000 under. So we kind of rechanged our questionnaires that you know my my team takes when someone calls in you know, and it's like, what do you owe on the house? What do you, you know, some of the questions that we weren't always asking up front before I got to the house, I started consistently coming back with no listing because they were so far upside down. And and that short sale option just hadn't really surfaced yet. I mean, I'm talking more early on in the in the transition. Um, or we would start a listing and by the time we price reduced, they're going, uh-oh, I'm upside down now. And so, you know, we had to kind of really get to know the uh, the short sale process and and get good at it. And of course, at first, you know, we didn't want anything to do with them. Um it was like, well, I don't want to do that. That's different. I you know, that looks like, you know, tremendous amount of work and collecting documents and that and then just slowly realized if we're going to make it through uh through these next couple of years, we're going to have to have to embrace it and understand it. So then we just built, you know, some of the websites we built you know more of the marketing campaign geared towards that. We built short sale packets, so when people came in, you know we had a checklist for them. We had you know samples of hardship letters, the difference between foreclosure and short sale, and just started to kind of build the education. And then it started to get you know a little bit a little bit quicker the process as far as you know getting somebody from consultation to listing to you know closed. Um, but it was it was a looking back at. Yeah, it's funny, I haven't spent a lot of time looking back, but as I think about it, it was uh, quite a ride. So quite what, what a learning curve for, for everybody. I mean, you know, and for people to come out and, you know, talk
1: about those things was, was painful too for the consumer. Your market has been turning around. Do you currently still have a lot of short sell listings?
2: Yeah, we still have a, a pretty good percentage. But this year, and I don't have that number, it's something actually that we're working on is on splitting out the listing appointments every month because now there's something to split out. Um, but I know four of my, uh, first seven listings in January were equity sales and that trend has kind of continued to where, you know, if I did 18 listings in a month, you know, 16 or, you know, or so would be short sale. Um, now we're seeing, you know, that number changed quite a bit to, a, you know, more 50, 50 type thing.
1: I noticed that something you told us about was your MLS search widget on multiple online presences. What does that mean? You know, we use and and um
2: Scott is kind of my uh, our internet guru guy on the back end of this and so one of the things when we use our the search widget no matter what website we're using the the home search widget Goes into our uh, our realty generator account, and that way all the leads are dropped into one place, no matter what source they're on. And the thing we like about that site or that search is that it just shows people houses. It's not about me. It's not about um, you know anything else. It just literally just shows people houses quickly, and I think in a very organized fashion. Um, they can save their searches. You know, and I know a lot of sites are going to that, but this one has definitely been the the best productive. But instead of having, you know, multiple different sites out there and the leads all jumping, dropping into say their their lead incubation system, we, we drive them all to one and makes it a lot more manageable. I mean, you can actually see who's on the site and when, how many times they've visited each property, what properties they've looked at. It gives you an average of you know, if they're looking for three bedroom, two bath, you know, at 150, it kind of gives you that average so that if you've got a search set up for them and it's, you know, doesn't fit that criteria, you can kind of, hey, you want me to help adjust your search? It's real, very interactive, um, but it really streamlined our process for, um, you know, the lead follow-up and incubation.
1: What did you say the name of that site was where they're all dropping in? It's uh, Realty Generator or uh, oh, what's the – Realty
2: Generator. Market leader is I don't know they've got a couple of names for it but it's realty generators I guess what we call it and it's I mean it's not uh, you know it's not the cheapest one out there but again we we believe in it I think we're you know about fifteen hundred a month on that one for their s because they do all the SEO and and that for us also
1: at this time let's talk about your team for a minute could you walk us down a list of all the people that are on your team, not by the name of the person, but the title. What position name, what does that position do, and how do they get paid? Are they getting paid a commissioner or a salary? Uh, make it easy. Uh, everybody is on salary, with the exception, of course, of agents. And
2: my my inspector that's out in the field, he drives a company truck and he's paid hourly. Uh, everybody else's salary um, so I have my uh, kind of my executive assistant and uh, admin manager then I have uh two full time transaction managers who handle you know the buy sell and uh, and short sales. Um, then I have our um, buyer agent success manager slash marketing manager. Um, and he does – he handles kind of the accountability for the buyer's agents and uh, driving the marketing piece so that we're optimized on, on the sites and, and keeping us you know, up to speed there. Uh, then my listing manager. Um, and then I have uh, two uh, two administrative people working the HUD account and then the one in the field who's our inspector. So he's the one who visits all the properties. And then, then buyer's agents and then, of course, uh, of course myself. And then my wife helps out with our Buffini stuff, like the items of value for our clients um, and just kind of all the, the little miscellaneous stuff around the office to keep us running and does my Buffini letters every month, that type of thing. How many buyer agents do you have? We're at five with two of them being part-time. I need to be at four full-time and two, you know, part-time is fine. Um, so we, we currently have five on the team, but we're looking for that fourth full-time person and the other two are
1: kind of part-time. How do you keep all these people organized? Do you have some kind of team meeting? Uh, we do our sales team meeting every Wednesday for the buy side. And then
2: Claudia, who's my assistant, she, uh, has her administrative meetings. Um, and then on the buy side or on the agent side, we do our four one ones every week, uh, which is a kind of a Keller product, which is your four-week, uh, one-month, one-year goals. So Scott sits down with the agents just to keep on track every week. You know, are you hitting your goals? If you wanted, um, like we set some goals for the end of this month for the team. I mean, for the buy side, so, you know, kind of keep them on track. Are you getting your handwritten notes? You know, how many people have you met? You know, what are the what are the activities that you're doing to create success? Because, you know, just to put someone on your team and, and uh, have them not make it, nobody wins. So we, we, we really got to focus on them being successful. Is everyone licensed? Just about everyone is licensed, yes. How did you find these people? Referrals, a lot of them. I mean, two have been with me for about nine years now. Um, title companies referred a couple of people to us. Uh Keller Williams has referred, you know, as far as agents that know us coming over, hey, you know, what's it gonna take to be part of the team? Um so, you know, a couple have been with me through through the trenches through all the years and then um, you know, like the HUD, you know, team is, you know, obviously somewhat recent and uh but really just, you know, a lot of referral and then, you know, very few ad type things. It's not like we put out a bunch of, you know, ads type things, not nothing like that.
1: Do you prefer new agents or experienced agents?
2: You know, I'd rather have a, a new agent that doesn't have, a, you know, old bad habits about poor me and, you know, it's the market's causing my problems. I don't mind, uh, you know, helping bring someone along. Right now with our business model, I mean, there are leads the minute you're here. So we do need someone that has some um, experience or can, you know, mentor with someone who's already out running around. Um but we, we look at both. Um, I've got, you know, the last two have had, you know, you know, six, eight years experience and, you know, just kind of struggled through the last couple years is, you know, trying to make it on your own because it's, you know, you're trying to do a lot and it's it's tough. And, you know, the pie here has really changed. I mean, there's, you know, there's just not a lot of middle ground. There's either couple people doing, you know, onesie, twosies, or, you know, a lot of people doing a lot. And that middle ground, which there used to be a big market for, has really shrunk. And I think we'll come back, but um, a lot of people controlling the listings. And if you're not having the listings, you know, the buy side in our market right now is just tremendously
1: tough unless you've got all cash buyers. Are there certain numbers or metrics that you track in your business when you're doing these meetings, what are you looking at? The number of listings taken that week, the number of sales, are there any certain numbers or metrics that you're trying to focus on? Typically in the sales
2: team meetings, the numbers are just kind of educating, you know, the agents with what the market is doing, meaning how many active listings there are, you know, months of inventory, interest rates, just so they're armed with, you know, enough when clients are asking questions or help educate the clients far as on our end, you know how many new listings we took every month, um, how many, you know, what our closed sales volume is, how many sides we did. Uh, those are the numbers that uh, that Claudia tracks for me, and then puts in a report so we can look at it monthly and say, okay, you know, here's how this month looked. Here's the pipeline for next month, to kind of kind of get an idea of of the predictability. Um, so, uh, numbers have not been my strongest part, and since coming to Keller Williams, that's been you know big focus is is know your numbers or or you know you probably won't be in business type things so um you know we're realizing the importance of that and in taking steps to uh to to get more organized and extract more data out of there that we can use to say where we spend our dollars what's most cost effective um, but it has not been um you know the biggest part of our business i've just went out and worked really hard to to do as much as we can to you know create more leads every day more opportunities, more at-bats. What is your job on the team? You know, Rainmaker is, I guess, the title they give it. And it's just to go out and generate as many leads as I you know, possibly can, as many listings, buyers, uh, networking opportunities. Um, and that's the part, to be honest, that I enjoy the most is talking with people and and helping them. And so I would say it's, it, mine is just purely to focus on lead generation. Uh, Claudia has really taken on a lot of the team management organization, you know, from payroll all the way through so that I can just kind of, kind of be out doing the part that, that I enjoy. Who goes out on the listing appointments? Currently I probably do about 90 plus percent of it. Uh, Craig, who's also my brother, he'll, he'll do the others unless an agent has generated the listing through their sphere, family, friends, um, then a lot of times I'll go with them still just to help make sure we we secure it. Uh, but typically, the majority of the team, anything that comes in, any type of lead that's a listing, I, I still go out on, you know, almost, you know, like I said, almost 100% of them.
1: Kenny, you have all these people running around. There's going to be people listening to us, and they're going to be asking themselves a question, are you profitable? Uh, very. Mm-hmm. Would you be willing to share what your profit margin is as a percentage of your revenues?
2: We're, I think, we run really well considering we're not as organized as I would like to be. Um, and looking at last year's numbers with, with my CPA, um, you know, I would say based on dollars generated, we were somewhere around, you know, forty five percent.
1: That's fantastic.
2: Yeah, it was, uh, considering it, it hasn't been, I don't micromanage it and run things as tight as I, I probably could and account for every single little item, um, I would say that that we ran, you know, again, somewhere around that 45% range of, of, you know, overall GCI versus cost. I'd say we
1: were right in that range. So if $100 comes in the top, $45 comes out the bottom to you. Correct. Quick question when the money is coming through there, do you take a salary out before the 45 drops out the bottom or the 45 include your salary? I W W two that. So uh, it would not include the salary. So you're actually making a little more than 45. Yeah. I,
2: I, and again, I, I apologize that my numbers aren't more organized or tighter, but just knowing, um, it just we just met a couple of weeks ago on this finalizing taxes and and uh looking at those numbers I would say it's 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 in that range yes yeah so i i felt pretty excited because i've heard people say you know if you can run at 30% or you know in that range that's that's pretty good um i was pretty happy with where we were at and a lot of it's to be honest with you because what we've built year over year if you look at our hard cost um i mean they don't, we're not having to, a lot of the stuff's already been bought and paid for. So, you know, to do more, there's not a big significant cost because the platform is there. Um, and a lot of it, you know, has been paid for. So you talk about moving truck and talk about, you know, lock boxes and signs and, you know, some of your costs that you would typically have to pay for, um, you know, we already
1: have that. And so we're just reusing it. So that's, uh, I think, what's helped a lot too. In the past, as you were building this, do you recall what your net profit margin has fluctuated between? Like, is 45% the highest it's been, and it's been as low as 10%? You know what kind of range of net profit have you gone through?
2: I I don't have an answer for you, honestly. Um, I I would say that you know this last year because the listing side was so heavy for me I wasn't paying out you know all the splits because the buy side was was still very good but um you know in a more traditional where you're you're doing you know not as many or may, a lot more buyer sides obviously you're paying the splits on those um we're here because of the HUD it was you know basically all coming through through me I mean there wasn't any split to a buyer agent um Adding that many more listings on top of what we did is what generated that kind of number.
1: What is your split with your buyer agents? Just 50 50.
2: And we take care of everything else. Um, you know, as far as there's no administrative cost or, you know, anything like that. They get office, you know, space, computers, all the, you know, copies, printing, you know, all, everything else like that. I mean, I don't, uh, it's pretty much just a clean 50 50. Kenny, why have you been so successful? Um, you know, I did, to hear you say that one, I guess I take a step back cause that's, uh, that it, it's appreciated. Um, you know, I, I will tell you, I know when I was with, uh, on stage with Gary last year in front of about 10,000 people being interviewed on farming and, you know, the kind of the question comes up and it's like, man, I, I just don't have anything, you know, sexy or magic <laughs> pill to tell you this is what it was. Honestly, it's just, uh. You know, I, I always just tell people relentless effort and relentless marketing, just, just not giving up. You know, if someone tells you what you can't do, it's just because they can't do it doesn't mean you can't. And and uh, I just believe if you believe in what you're doing and you're set out to serve people and do a good job, um, I just don't see anything in life. I, it doesn't matter what I was doing, whether it was real estate or whatever. I just believe if you believe in what you're doing and care about doing a good job and treating people right, uh this, you know we're in the, we're in the right uh, right country to to uh you know exploit that opportunity i mean i don't have any history or background in real estate just you know a desire to to do good and so i think it's just you know hanging in there being consistent i, I would say you know relentless uh, as far as just not giving up and and even when people are marketing in our area and and you know been around longer and coming after us it just you know, time on task is doing a good job, but then I think just consistency. Um, sometimes we know as realtors, you get bored with consistency. It's like, well, what's the new gadget I can buy? What's the next uh, big marketing trend where we've just kept our foundation, which has allowed us to, to you know, try some of those other things, but not get distracted by them. How do you keep control of your time? You know that's uh that's a, a great question and and I don't know that I have a great answer. I just uh you know my wife has worked with me over the years and going to Buffini mastermind every year which we leave in about 3 weeks for that again has helped us grow together and you know he believes in the five circles of balance and I couldn't you know he couldn't uh, agree more without getting burned into the ground and so I believe in you know working really hard and then and then playing really hard and you know, in, in June, we, uh, you know, there's always that, what are you looking forward to? And and for us, it's like, okay, here's Buffini, and then, you know, then Cabo, and then, you know, going up to the cabin, and then, and so, you know, you work really hard in between, and then you have those those things, and it's afforded us those things to do, and, you know, in, in June, we, uh, I was blessed enough to, uh, 15 of us went to Cancun for a week, and I was able to uh, take and, and and all expense paid for 13 of, of the 15, uh, two of them being my employees and their families. Um, and it was just an awesome experience to be able to, you know, create and, and share that, but then also to be able to be there and have your team back here just firing on all cylinders and doing everything they could to make sure that nothing filtered to us down there so we could disconnect and enjoy and, uh, and then come back to work refreshed and ready to go. So, you know, Tony Schwartz, the powerful engagement, I believe, and the, the concept of, you know, you got to take a break sometimes too, To and, and it's only helping your business. It's not hurting it, but to just kind of slow down and, and enjoy and, um, and do more of that now than ever uh, over the last, I'd say, probably three years as far as, you know, vacation and, and journaling is a big part of, of my world now, and thanks to Buffini, you know, getting up, morning and just spend a little time writing in my journal on, on, you know, the kids' events and things that we typically forget in life, or, you know, we all take pictures and then probably just leave on a computer somewhere and not necessarily organize, but the journaling thing is kind of help relax, or I'll do it before I go to bed, and not every day. I mean, sometimes I go two weeks without it, but it's having it there to catch up with, Um, reading, you know, a lot of, of that me time, you know, hitting the gym, and and just kind of trying to keep balanced in all circles and, uh, um, very relational person. I love, uh, I love, you know, my friends and hanging out with that. And so we have our cabin up north and we just had about 25 people up there for 4th of July weekend. And, um, so, you know, also playing hard. I mean, it, but it is a lot of work and, you know, this industry, unfortunately, like FedEx, if I left at five o'clock, I didn't have anything until the next morning when I got there again. And this business is a little bit different. Um, I think one thing that, you know, again, I know I mentioned Buffini quite a bit, but it was a big mentor for me was, you know, if you want people to treat you like a professional, then you need to treat yourself like one. And, you know, if you answer your phone at seven or eight o'clock at night, that's your choice. And that now becomes the new normal in a transaction. And so just saying, look, I wouldn't call my dentist, my doctor, you know, my attorney at seven o'clock at night and expect him to answer, you know, why should you? and uh and I to be honest, I quit doing listening appointments at seven eight o'clock at night, and you know oh, we' want to get home and we'll have dinner and we'll play with the kids and then can you come over around seven thirty and It's like, but I want to do those same things, and so you know, just saying you know i you know I have an appointment already or no, that's not available, you know, do you have any time and I've been amazed by just asking um how many times that uh you know even weekends that we've been able to work, oh no, I'm off Tuesday next week, okay, can we do it at this time you know and and really just taking control of my schedule has allowed me to, you know, be home in the evenings and,
1: and, you know, have the weeks and do things. So. How many hours do you think you work in a typical week? <laughs> and hereafter, I just know
2: that I I, uh, I, 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 don't even know that I could quantify cause I don't know that you ever feel like you're completely, you know, with email to your phone that you're not responding to something. Um, I mean, on a weekly basis, you know, I would say, you know, I'm, you know up and going you know by five, five thirty or six to you know do the gym thing and then you know work by you know eight or so and usually even by six and there's times today I went to lunch with my daughter and my my wife, and you know so there's I wouldn't say you're working all the time, but uh um uh, it also doesn't quit and then with you know being involved in you know our third restaurant now too, this one being local um you know that's taken some time too of helping operationally get get that going and you know, we're big into 212movie.com and the idea of 212 degrees. So we've carried that philosophy forward into the restaurant. And, and, uh, so you know, I'd say my mind's always on the go, but, uh, I also do feel, feel pretty good about, you know, making family first and, and, you know, friends in and that and, and letting the business, you know, create the opportunity to go enjoy those things in ways we never were able to before. Kenny, what drives you? you know, another, uh, I'll say good question. <laughs> it's, uh, and I'll try to be a little more concise, I guess, cause I don't know that I have an exact answer. I just think, uh, you know, opportunity. I, uh, I, I love the positive outlook, uh, philosophy on life that, you know, we're, we're just opportunity every day to, to serve and help other people and create success for others. And Zig said, you know, to get what you want in life, help enough other people get what they want. And, you know, I think the, uh, the rewarding side behind that is just when you create that for someone else what it does for you or you know sometimes when you share something and then people tell you later how it affected them um so i just think it's you know getting you know uh, being able to serve other people and 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 see um how it affects and and can change their life uh is 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 a drive to get up every day and just try to improve myself um you know, one of my favorite quotes is I think sometimes people spend too much time, you know, looking out the window instead of looking in the mirror. And and I believe that, you know, a lot of our problems today are caused by, you know, people too focused on what other people are doing instead of what they're doing, which would probably solve a lot of the problems. Um, and personal growth, I think that's a big drive for me is, you know, just constantly working on trying to get better in all aspects, um, you know, financially, um, you know, spiritually, emotionally, physically. You know, from a business mindset to a um, relationship. You know, with your family. Just trying to trying to be the best I can be um, every day.
1: If you were to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? You know, success leaves clues.
2: I would uh, I would go find you know who's who's producing in the in the area that you think that you you want your business. To go, whether it's, you know, a a listing agent or a buy agent, or I actually just had a young gentleman come in my office the other day and he's interested in commercial. And so I sent him to a commercial agent and I saw he just joined our office with that person. Um, and I kind of told him the same thing is, you know, go mentor with those people who are doing it at a high level. Um, I mean, in this business, you, you really can't afford to make mistakes when you're talking about people's lives that, you know, could be their single biggest investment. Um, you know, lack of knowledge is, is, is your responsibility. And so I think, you know, that the truly most successful people I've ever met in the industry, um, are so confident in what they're doing. You know, there's not a threat to them and they actually love to go help you get be successful. And I've been, and I've been amazed at the people that I've, you know, went to and mentored through. And then, you know, it just makes me want to go, go help someone else and spend the time. And I can't believe you're taking the time to talk to me about this. and like, man if if you're asking that means a lot to me because most people just you know you know wanna blame the market or other things, and you know to me um i would say uh you know just getting with someone who you admire look up to and kind of follow along with them if they'll allow you or spend the money and take them out to lunch um you know uh make a donation on their behalf for you to be able to take them out to lunch i mean invest a little bit and uh um and then get with the right, you know, organization that you believe has the right culture to help support your success. And then just work ethic, just, you know, just be relentless. Get up every day and, and go to work. Um, you know, realtors tend to think that they're independent contractors and can write
1: their own schedule. And those who do usually don't uh, write too many contracts. So, Do you think the top agent interviews like this one that we're doing with Mastermind Agent are valuable?
2: You know, I think genuinely I, I am in two mastermind groups locally. Um, the people who referred you to me are in, in that group. Um, it, it Again, it goes back to the idea of you get in that group and here's some of the biggest producers in the valley, some icons in the industry, and yet they're there sharing ideas and successes and and uh, not afraid to say oh i'm doing this or i'm doing that I, I think it's tremendously valuable to hear from the actual people doing it not people who thought about doing it and now are selling cd's or people who did it 30 years ago um you know people who are in the trenches doing it adjusting to the current market absolutely i mean it kind of goes to what i said earlier you know with the success leaves clues i mean you want people who are doing you know real world today activities um and do i think yeah we can all learn from each other Um, You know, I mean, the mistakes I've made over the last 10 years in building with the zip code and and the model, I'd I'd tell you if, you know, someone comes on with us, I mean, we're going to cut right to the meat. We're not going to be, you know, dancing around the outside, spending money, making mistakes. It's going to be very efficient. So, yeah, absolutely. I think they're tremendously valuable.
1: Kenny, I've gotten to the end of the questions that I have prepared for today. Is there anything else that you would like to talk about? man, I think I've talked a lot
2: today. So I, uh, I, I, People probably be done, done hearing me. So I, I don't, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like I've hopefully been open enough to, to share kind of the concepts. And, and, uh, like I said, I wish there was some, you know, uh, you know, I got the, the secret recipe here. I, I don't, I just believe that, um, you know, grab your, your area and, and just be relentless in it. And whether it's, You know farming or or there's multiple ways in the real estate business that's what's so cool about our business is there's so many directions you can go from you know property management to you know commercial to residential to new home i mean there's just so many different roads you know what interests you the most where where do you get your biggest passion from and then you know find those people who are doing at the highest level whether it's in your state or you know somewhere else you know, ask questions. I mean, Facebook's phenomenal for, you know, being able to throw out a question and amazing the answers you get. Um, you know, I would definitely, uh, I, I don't think there's anything else that we didn't expose as far as the business side of it, other than just, like I said, I mean, we get dressed and go to work every day I and mean, we've got, you know, embroidered shirts with our logo on it. I mean, we're proud of what we're doing. Um, you know, I'm not hiding behind anything, just out working hard. I continue to get educated through, you know, whether it's designation classes, whether it's through, you know, renewal hours or whatever, just continue to grow through seminars, workshops. And I realize you can spend a lot of time chasing those. I think there's certain ones out there that are really good. Um, But outside of that, I think it's... uh, you know, just getting up, going to work every day, responding to people promptly, professionally, treating your peers that way, meaning your cross sale agents. Um, you know, we're all in this together, and we all operate at different emotions at different times, but keeping the goal in mind, which is, you know, to help our clients. You know, whether it's to buy or sell a piece of real estate, that's our job. So, I I feel like, you know, we hit hopefully the highlights that will will help help somebody out there.
1: Well, Kenny, your advice will help lots of aspiring agents. You adapted your knowledge of the street into knowledge of the neighborhoods to become a super geographic farmer. Your zip code farming technique is a big productive model for others to emulate. As you say, there are no secret recipes, just relentless marketing focus and hard work. Thank you again for being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who works with builders and developers, offers a guaranteed sale program, advertises on the radio, and sold 268 homes last year. Find out who he is on the next success call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at FreeLeadTime.com. That's FreeLeadTime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward.
0: You've been listening to the Mastermind Agent, Interview of the Month Club where top agents, rising agents, team members, and guests from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the club interviews at www.mastermindagent.com.